0: Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. And tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit Renown talent, R-E-N-O-W-N talent.com and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast.
1: You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to, to not to not
0: elsewhere. Not elsewhere. 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 Elsewhere classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Also Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. If you want to listen to our previous episodes, you can go to medicalcodinggeek.com podcast where you can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts and other platforms as well. Please make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review. Please check out Medical Coding Geek and Not Also Classified on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. You can check out our Facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash services. And while you're there, if you need a speaker or need a business partner, you can reach out to us for more information. And of course, you can find me, Brian Cui, last name is spelled C-U-I, on LinkedIn. Today on this podcast, we continue my conversation with Dr. John Zellum from Streamline Solutions Consulting. Please make sure to check out the previous episode to listen to part one of this conversation. So today we continue our conversation about puzzles. The last thing Dr. Zellum had mentioned were bottlenecks and constraints. So today, we continue our conversation on how it applies with Utilization Management 360 and see how it works with his solutions that he discusses in this podcast episode. So without further ado, here is my continued conversation with Dr. John Zellum. Enjoy.
1: So that that's actually leads to... So when... When I used to give the the presentation before, it was always, all right, so you described the problem pretty well. We know that uh, it's it's the lack of communication, lack of collaboration. So what's your solution? And actually, the solution is, first of all, find out what the problem is and then work on it. And uh, that's where team empowerment comes into play. Because you can't accomplish anything without a team. You know, especially a, a big, a bigger project. And when you get into the hospital setting where you have five components like that, in essence, you have five teams. How do you get those five teams to work together? A great analogy is a football team. You have, um, you have the defensive team, you have the offensive team, you have the recruiting team, you you, you have a bunch of components, but you still have the team. And the, the challenge becomes is you have a, a manager and an owner who are working with you, but they don't play the game. And so people say when you have a, 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 a system that you, a, a process that you need to rebuild, you need to start from the top down. And my philosophy is, and actually Jim's philosophy too, is that you need to start from the bottom and work your way up. Because it, it becomes the responsibility of the manager or the Leader to eliminate those bottlenecks, but who knows best what the bottlenecks are? The people on the ground. It it it's the team. And and if take the football team, if they're not doing well, if they have a losing season, who gets fired? Not the team, the coach, the manager. They're the ones who get fired. So they have the responsibility. And, and therefore, it, it helps. So when you're when you're working with utilization management three hundred and sixty, and you know what your processes are, then you start to to work to fix the bottlenecks. Think about the the. Well, um, there's several principles to team empowerment. One is to give the team a little bit of leeway as to how they run things and how they solve things, because again, they're in the trenches. They know what they're doing. They know what the process is supposed to be. If you take Toyota, the Toyota Way, which are 14 principles, I don't know if you've ever looked at that. It's a great, it, it, it's their manufacturing principle. And any employee on the assembly line has the right to, it's, if there's a major quality problem or, 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 or process problem, to stop the entire assembly line without ramifications, without retaliation, uh, to be able to fix it. And that's a that, that if that that's seen as a bottleneck, that's seen as a constraint. And the and the and the perfect picture of a bottleneck is an hourglass because you have all that sand on the top, and it needs to get to the bottom, but you've got that little narrow area, and only so much of it is going to get through there. So that's and in in an hourglass, there's not really much in the way of workarounds. But the the other analogy that I like to use is a stream you know during the springtime where snow is melting for those of you who have snow or a lot of rain <laughs> not here <laughs> you're, in, you you're in
0: florida right i'm in uh, yeah. i'm in davenport
1: oh, okay iowa oh home home of
0: uh, not davenport iowa davenport florida oh okay, okay. <laughs> i'm still in florida
1: <laughs> I, I didn't realize there was a davenport yeah there was so. but and yes yeah, so but, you know, even with all of our, our, our summer rain, well, for us, it's summer rains, not, not winter rains mm-hmm. and snow. But for us, it's, um, uh, you know, you have a stream, and it's got, it has a source, mm-hmm. and there's a plethora of water. And as it keeps flowing through its course, you don't really see any bottlenecks. You don't run into anything. The problem is, as is, is, is now we have the, the revenue flow, We have things like the COVID situation where revenue is drying up, so revenue flow is decreasing. Yeah, prior to that, always look for a way to increase revenue flow. But when it starts drying up, all of a sudden, for the stream, the rocks on the bottom start coming into play. The changes in elevation Mm -hmm. start coming into play. Even the source where the water's coming from may be drying up a little bit. So that's that's the hourglass. That's the impediment. That's the uh, constraint. That's the bottleneck. And you need to find a way to work around that, and that's and, and that's the key factor in su- finding some of these processes. It's not a one one solution fits all uh, with uh, UM three hundred and sixty. It's finding out, and it's going to be unique for every situation. Okay. Find out what the problem is, identify it, start working on your processes, and start empowering your team to help you succeed.
0: Right. So. Um... You mentioned problems. I know there, it. It uh, it all depends on you know the 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 facility organization, but like, what kind of problems would you encounter? Uh, you know that you've you've dealt with.
1: Well, one one that comes to mind is that coding the last the last section, coding only wants to touch the patient one time. They want to do the final billing. On the other hand. There are situations where they may start looking at a patient and getting do, doing the coding, and uh, the patient is a inpatient, but then all of a sudden is found not to have enough medical necessity. They get converted to observation. So you've now slowed down the process for coding to get done what needs to be done. Even more importantly, you've slowed so down the process for CDI. because CDI may say, well, you know, we could have been working on another patient because uh, we typically don't work with, with observation, we just work with inpatients. So that's a bottleneck. And what is there? What is? And by p- providing a solution for a workaround, uh, you know, what is the workaround that gets done? Well, maybe maybe CDI may skip a bunch of patients in order to make sure that they don't lose any time and spend their time on the ones that are definitely inpatients. I've seen
0: inpatients. that. I've seen that. So um, those are uh, we would invite the director of case management and he would oversee, he would always get messages uh, <laughs> in his, in his uh, phone. Uh, Could you please check out this accountant? Because it doesn't look like an inpatient and, and he would have a list, a list. Why would you have a list? You know? And, he would go over this list and he would review it. And he says, okay, this one needs to be observation. This one should not be inpatient. This one should be inpatient. And a lot of the stuff that we're supposed to be inpatient, he would um, not market as inpatient. It's not medically necessary. And the thing is that.
1: You could talk about the, the UR people.
0: Yeah, the UR. You know, uh, how the hell is
1: it? Well, if you are, that's. Yeah, you probably utilization review. Yeah. Yeah, because what you're leaving out is this significant component of a physician advisor. Mm. Because you are should not be making the final recommendation for level of care. They can if it's an inpatient and it meets criteria. But if they don't meet inpatient criteria, then it should go to a physician uh, uh, a, a physician advisor to look at it from a physician point of view. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it may not meet criteria, but there's certainly enough medical necessity there to keep it as an inpatient. Yeah. So now, in your conversation, you've just identified a bottleneck.
0: Yeah, mark. yeah. And, uh, and it's like it... Because like when you, and the reason why I'm talking about problems is because it usually leads to more problems. Like you, in, in the process of identifying one, you'll find many. And so um, it could be not even, even though it could be documentation related, but sometimes it could be registration related. So uh, the way that, then it, then you might have to bring in registration into the mix to this, to these, uh, to the group right. here. Uh, right. Maybe it, to me, for me, when when I saw this problem, I immediately thought, like, how is this being, you know, uh, you know, entered in the system? How is this being registered? And I always and then I started asking myself questions. Well, who's doing the registering? Uh, is it the nurse? Is it a registrar? Are they doing correctly? And then you start to start to think about, well, what are some of the solutions, or how can we identify areas, or what's, the, you know, the root cause analysis of what's causing all of this? Because if there's a lot of questions if this patient should be determined to be inpatient or outpatient like if there's a totally gray area then it leads to more problems at least as you mentioned before uh that it was an inpatient and i've seen this a lot for myself as a cdi where i was working on it right and all of a sudden it just drops off my list like where did this patient go like the next i started it right the patient was in the er uh, was about to be admitted as inpatient. Then I look at it the next day since it's a concurrent review, and the patient's gone. And so when I check in the system, the patient was uh, changed from inpatient to uh, observation, right? And so, but there are also cases where it even gets even more complicated where they go in as inpatient, they go in as observation, they complete their observation, and then they come back. So all the time that they spent flipping back and forth, there's so much time wasted. Like usually what in, in an observation case, it's about two or three days, right? Maybe two days max, two midnights, right? And so they were observation for two days, then went into inpatient, then brought back as in observation. So they spent a lot more time. And then they brought. So it's a very complicated case. But regardless, the days, the this goes back to the DRG and the length of stay. The length of stay did not match the 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 amount, the actual length of stay that the patient stayed, and actually exceeded because all of that mix up. So I look at it. I'm like, boy, if this had been done the right way, if this was had, if this had been determined from the get go, and I think that's what a lot of um, you know institutions are trying to do or well, working on. Uh-huh. Uh, we wouldn't but have this it would
1: problem. Never be accomplished because right. the, because a right. patient stay is so fluid.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't you can't like uh, you can't refund it. <laughs> you can't refund <laughs> hospital stays. There you go.
1: But so yeah. if you look at that whole process, you know, we talked about constraints. We talked about um, bottlenecks. Mm-hmm. You can ha- you there's typically only one constraint. Uh, whatever that may be. and if you look at the assembly line of a car, it right. may be that uh, as the assembly line is going, all of a sudden there aren't enough doors to mm-hmm. be put on the car. And that becomes a constraint and it, it can become a bottleneck too, but there may be, there may end up being a workaround to you know get there or it may end up with a decrease in quality at the right. end because somebody decided, well, I don't have this part, so let me put this part in. And there's your workaround, but it, it, it results in a different vehicle compared to what it's supposed to be at the end and may be a quality issue. So it, it, it's not it, it's a very complicated process that needs to be broken down and looked at and the problems fixed.
0: Let's take a moment for a quick break. And now back to our show. I guess when when, uh, another thing is once, maybe you're probably going to get into this later, is once you've identified the problems, then how do you get to the solution, right? Uh, And I guess it depends on the institution or what problems arise. So I mentioned earlier, you know, maybe you identify one problem, but then it opens (laughs) a whole other door of other problems. And so... In in that instance, how would you approach it? Like, I guess you know, you 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 identify the problem, but then all of a sudden, a bunch of unexpected problems that were not brought initially brought to the table that weren't, I guess, uh, what's the word, um, revealed at the time of review that you first come in, and then all of a sudden you have a whole slew of problems that you have. How, how would you go about approaching that?
1: Well. You know, there's four components that I, I, I would say to team empowerment because the, the team can make you look good. The team can make you look bad. But the, the first thing is, is to give your team the latitude and authority to take initiatives. And that's a, that's a, that's a tough one because if you're too strict and, or, 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 or if you give them a hard time when they make a decision that doesn't work, then they're going to end up being overcautious and they won't do the things that need to be done. The, the teams are, they're in the trenches. They know what's going on. You have to allow them to play to their strengths. You have to show them that you trust them. And But, but once you do that, then they're going to have responsibilities and duties and they provide their own... Uh, um, oversight if you will and you know let's say that you you have somebody you have meetings on a weekly basis and one person is always coming in late to that meeting which means that the meeting can't start on time but it needs to end on time so this one person is a constraint this one person is showing up late and so now we get into one of the other categories which is accountability i'll get to that in in a moment but Uh, you know, let, let the team give the team permission, if you will, to try and handle some of their problems, because again, they're in the trenches and they know how it's supposed to go. And you're going to have some people who are so much stronger than others. Again, looking at the holistic approach, no one team member is more important than the, the team itself or any other team member. So it's a matter of getting them all to function and think similarly with you know different different and the people who are really good reward them, the people who are you know average don't 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 put them down, just let people play to their strengths so that you you, you they've been empowered to do and accomplish what needs to be done. And you know you can't have an attitude of this is the way we've always done mm-hmm. it. Uh, there has to be different changes. The the, the second component is, is to provide the resources that your team mm-hmm. needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear communication is extremely important for them to be successful. Make sure that they know what their roles and duties really are. Uh, a manager or a, a leader should know what their team's responsibilities are. They should know how the job gets done, although they, they don't know all the details because they're not in the trenches and they shouldn't be in the trenches. They're, to, they're supposed to help the team succeed. So encouragement becomes extremely important. Give the team credit. I had a, when I was in, in, in a corporate position, I had a, a manager that, he, well, he was not really my manager, but he had a team and whenever anything went well, he gave all the credit to the people involved and to the team when something did not go well he took the the, the the responsibility for the fact that something didn't work and he took you know he made it he kind of made it look like it was his fault mm. so you know that that's important to the team because it shows support the third principle is standardizing the process and that and that that gets back to principle number 6 of the toyota way which says standardized tasks and and processes are the foundation for continuous improvement and employee empowerment. Again, if you didn't standardize the assembly line for the production of a car, you'd end up with a different different quality car every time. So there's a certain sense of standardization. If you look at a football team, uh, there's standardization too of their plays. The, and the interesting thing, too, is that you know that there's a coach who's not playing, but he that coach is up in the booth looking at the plays being constructed and gives feedback to the quarterback. How many times do you see the quarterback um, when, when, when the defense is playing, the quarterback is sitting there looking at uh, some type of a, a monitor, uh, I, I always thought it was an iPad, but I was corrected that it's a Microsoft Surface. Is, Surface, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And boy, did I get criticized for that! <laughs> Microsoft would be very angry at you. But you know, so they're they're, they're reviewing that. This this person is helping to break down the barriers. Mm-hmm. This person is helping to facilitate and this person is helping to deal with the bottlenecks or constraints that they see from that that 30,000-foot that view. So standardizing the process. And lastly, accountability. Um, and, and, and the team can hold their own accountability to a certain extent. As I mentioned, the person who comes in late to the meeting, mm-hmm. you know, what can be done to change that? So you know, if, you, if you think of those four principles, those are the things that need to be done. And lastly, um, how, do you, how do you find out where to go? How do you find out what to do? There's a thing called SMART goals. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Hmm. Strategic and specific, measurable, attainable, oh, okay. re- results-oriented, and time-bound. All five of those factors come into play in order to set goals and to achieve them. Uh, the the one the the one perfect a great example that I like of of team empowerment actually comes from Sully Sullenberger, yes. the pilot who landed the plane on the Hudson. Right. And Sully actually was very important, very influential in airline safety, and. Uh, one of the things that the, they instituted, there, there are two 747s that crashed, I believe, in the Canary Islands years ago because it was foggy. Mm-hmm. One 747 was on the end of the runway. The other one was getting ready to take off. The, the uh, first officer, well, there was a command that came from air, contra- air traffic control that the captain said, all right, we're cleared to take off. The first officer was thinking to himself, no, that is. They just told us that we're ready, that we could be ready on the runway, and uh, but he was afraid of repercussions from the captain, so he never said anything. And what it, what it led to, and, and the captains were we run the ship? That's it. We're the final say. Um, you know, don't bother saying anything to, to us. And what Sully and the crew did is they they brought in teams, so even the least member of the crew has the right to come up and say something that's not right to have it be taken care of uh, without repercussions. And I, you know, I, there's, there was a statement on LinkedIn where he where he actually uh, says that, but that's also part of team empowerment. Mm-hmm. So team empowerment actually becomes really the essential ingredient uh, for any success initiative. I agree. And uh, to help build the cement, the glue uh, to maintain that holistic approach.
0: So when when I think of um, a team, you're thinking about the whole the whole component here that you talked about case management, utilization review, CDI, physician advising and coding. The, are they individual teams or are they in in essence an entire team?
1: Well, let me take your question and turn it into a, another question. Okay. <laughs> Look at a football team. Okay. You have an offensive team, right. a defensive team, the recruiting team. Mm-hmm. Are they individual teams? Nope. Yes, but they function as one team. So right, the answer right. is you've got five components, okay, five components. different components that can function as a team.
0: Right. So they're – okay, makes sense. Now, with one component or as I've seen it as a department, right – so when you're talking about empowerment and team empowerment, especially from the the people who are in the trenches, uh, maybe there could already be. You talk about silos between these different components, but maybe there's silos within the one component, right? So from management to supervisor, you know, to to maybe there's already silos there. So. You you mentioned the the key aspect, or I guess one of the areas that would make the whole UM360 work aside from good documentation, is team empowerment. But how would you then remove the silos or create empowerment with one component? And then from there, for me, what I see is if if I if I step into an institution and I see maybe one component is not working properly because. Uh, they have silos within their within their within their department or within their component. They need to break down their own silos in order to join the whole entire team. So, as you mentioned in the football team, for example, maybe the def- the defensive squad has their own squabbles. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, from the coordinator to the manager to the to the teams to the to, to the to the team players, uh, maybe senior level to the rookies, right? They have their own silos. So um, in order for them to completely work and then for the team to work properly, because if they're not working properly, the team doesn't work. Maybe I'm answering my own (laughs) question.
1: Actually, go back to two things. Number one, go Go back to the puzzle analogy. Okay. The the gap analysis. First of all, you need to know what the problems are. Okay. So you need to have all the pieces there. And of course, there's nothing worse than putting together a 2,000-piece puzzle and finding one piece missing. Right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you still you still have the picture. But what do you do, in, you know, to take your example, your question, is you may have to work on one section at a time okay. in order to get the whole
0: puzzle put Got together. It. Got it.
1: And uh, there was one facility, a, a system that I worked with where, their case management department was was pretty much dysfunctional mm-hmm. and that needed to be fixed first in mm. order to help get it to work with the other four components
0: okay so like so maybe there are instances where you go to uh, a facility where the components are on board except for one and then you maybe ha- might have to work with that one and then from there get them on board with with the entire yeah. program oh that's nice i like that yeah, that's what I was wondering. Maybe, maybe you know, it could be one or two areas. Maybe they're on board, but I think as long as ultimately the goal that all components are on board, then it meets the, the the outcome of your utilization management three hundred and sixty. Correct. Cool. I think I got it. Anything else yeah. that you want to add on there?
1: No, that that's pretty much it. We've solved the problems of healthcare
0: <laughs> with the puzzle. So, like, if with I, the puzzle. <laughs> that's right. I think I think what you should do, I think because because the, the great analogy is. When you go to your next contract, if anybody's listening, you know, and, and you have issues and you and you think UM360 is a is uh is a great solution or at least an area that you want to work on, uh, reach out to uh, Dr. Uh, John Zellum here. But my my here's here's my uh, here's my uh, suggestion: Whenever you go to a new contract or a, an existing contract, you I don't know if you do it already. Maybe give them you know two thousand piece puzzles, <laughs> you know. <laughs> As, as an exercise, you know, because to me, like, because uh, that cause that really works. And then, and, or discuss the puzzle analogy. Uh, how would you, well, I mean, I do. yeah, like, I do. how would you solve this problem? And I would, for me, it wasn't the area, you know, for me, it's like, okay, what are my most familiar parts? And kind of, again, I, I like that analogy because it reveals uh, your problem solving skills a whole, a lot. A lot. All right. So, uh, UM360, as I mentioned, check out uh, Dr. John Zellum. He's on LinkedIn, as I mentioned before, uh, the website. What's the website? Uh, Streamlinesolutionsconsulting.com.
1: That is correct. Okay. Cool. And on there under uh, resources is, the, is a video, a uh, professionally created video on the human body as the example of holism.
0: All right. Uh, any closing remarks or, or anything you want to add before we finish here?
1: No, I, I think, Brian, this is a great opportunity to uh, be able to chat on a in, in a dialogue fashion, not a monologue. Uh, I think that uh, it, it, it's important to have a conversation. Yeah. And that's what it should all be about, uh, even with the consulting, is is to have a conversation. It's going to be fairly unique. There's going to be many similarities, but dissimilarities in every institution. Every place has its own set of problems. And, uh, you know, some of them are common. Some of them are not so common. And, and the solutions need to, need to be individualized.
0: All right. So there you have it. That completes my episode with Dr. John Zellum. Dr. Zellum, thank you for being on the podcast. You can check him out on LinkedIn and also check out his website, StreamlineSolutionsConsulting.com. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to the com shop and use promo code geek15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to the haugen group h a u g e n group.com/shop and use our promo code geek g e e k 15 at checkout. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year. Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period. Hundreds of coding scenarios and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information. And use our promo code Geek. 10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code G E E K 10 for special pricing.